thank you that we're able to gather in this house once again, Lord. And I pray tonight that you would help our pastor feel freedom and anointing and authority to continue to deliver that which you have placed in his soul for this body of believers, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we take your word to heart and we begin to conquer. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. How many is excited that you have an inheritance, amen, that you've got a promise? God says, arise, go get it, it's yours. Take hold of it, claim it, it's yours. And, what, and he said, I'll never leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I have promised I'm going to make sure that you get what I have said you would get. Amen. Praise, this, praise the Lord. This morning we talked about developing a spirit of conquest and leaving the deliverance mentality. How many of you want a spirit of conquest at the Palace of Praise? Do you really want that? Because I'm going to challenge you just a little bit tonight. It's a very simple, basic message. I'm not going to dissect everything the way that I was going to. The Lord just laid two or three thoughts upon my heart for tonight, and that's what I'm going to run with. But we talked about how that there's a different feel that goes with the spirit of conquest and that which is involved in deliverance. For example, in deliverance, there's that broken bondage, there's that weightiness that's been lifted off of you, there's that excitement, there's that newness, there's that transformation. But when it comes to conquest, it's a total different feel. When you begin to make up your mind and go into the land of it that's not familiar to you, in that place where you've never been before, all of a sudden anxieties can begin to take hold. Fear can begin to grip your heart. Heaviness begins to come upon you. There's a weight, there's a challenge before you. And that's why involved in conquest. Even though it can be exciting times, yet it can also be a little bit fearful because of the challenge of the unknown, that we've not quite done that before. Have you ever done anything new where the Lord spoke to you and said, hey, go over and lay hands on so-and-so or go give them this word or, and you're saying, or maybe God wants to use you in a gift and you're sitting there and you're wondering, is this God or not? There can be a lot of anxiety with that. There can be a lot of fear with that. And that's the way it is with conquest. But the real question is, why is there so many Christians that is saved, that is delivered, but really they never have developed this thing called a spirit of conquest? The most common obstacle that robs us from us becoming people of victory is that of skepticism. It is a voice of skepticism. As we seek to make the transition, and it is a transition from a deliverance mentality to one of conquest, we'll hear every kind of voice telling us not to go. Don't do that. Don't go there. And yet God has commanded all of us to go. Why is it that the voice of reasoning in the natural can be so much louder than the voice of God in the spiritual? Why is it that God's voice sometimes is as a whisper, but the natural mind is as if it's yelling to you? The carnal mind's telling you, no, no, no. But yet the spiritual man, that prompting, that still small voice, that sweetness, go. Go, go. And the, why is it that it seems like that you and I are more prone as believers now to yield to the natural carnal voice or the carnal mind and the carnal thinking than we are the voice of reasoning of Scripture, the spiritual man? It's so much easier sometimes. But when we finally make that move to cross over Jordan into the promised land, the voices of hell is going to start not only talking to you, but they're going to start screaming.
screaming at you. You're going to begin to experience things you never experienced. You're going to feel things you never experienced, and you're going to hear things that you've never experienced before. These voices will tell us in very reasonable tones that appeal to the carnal nature, it's not going to happen. Don't set yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. Who are you kidding? Are you going to, you're going to be brought to shame. You're going to be brought to embarrassment. You're opening yourself up to hurt again. You better not do this. How many of you have heard those kinds of voices? Raise your hand. Be honest. How many of you have heard those kinds of voices? That's the voice of skepticism. And they will give you the reasons why, and those reasons will appeal to your human nature, and they will sound right. There are times that I've allowed the enemy to rob me of obeying God because he gave me a list of everything of why I shouldn't, and it really sounded right to my human and reasoning. There are three types of skeptical voices that I want to deal with that will manifest when you finally make up your mind, I'm going to go over this Jordan. I'm going to become a conqueror. I'm not just going to run all my life and be wrapped up in my in, in a deliverance mentality, but I'm going to become a victor in Jesus Christ. First of all, there is the outward skeptic. This will manifest in a friend, in a relative, in an acquaintance, a family member, a church member who challenges what you believe about obtaining a spirit of conquest and how it's God's will and it's God's voice leading you to perform what he's telling you to perform. Joshua faced this by 10 out of the 12 spies given a negative report. 10 of his friends came back from off of the field given not only a bad report, it says an evil report. Notice that. The Bible calls it an evil report. It was an evil report of unbelief. And there are times when you try to step out, some of the people that is closest to you will try to talk you down. Come on now. Sometimes when you begin to really want to obey God, it is those voices that's closest to you that would discourage you from obeying them. These are some of the hardest voices to overcome because they have such influence within our lives. The people that you believe in the most, now remember these spies were handpicked by Moses himself, but yet they were the very ones that the devil used to try to keep them from becoming a victor in, victor in obedience to to God. Don't allow a friend to hold you back. You may have to change friendships, but every transition in your life usually comes on the heels of change in your relationship. One thing that I have found out, friends may love you, but they sure don't want you to outgrow them, and they don't want you to leave them. They don't want you to, they don't want to feel abandoned, but neither do they like challenge that you put upon them when you begin to want to excel, and when you want to step up to the plate, you want to grow, and you want to pursue and they don't want to, sometimes our passion or our desire will create a conflict between our relationships because that passion begins to convict the other people by revealing to them their own lack of spiritual hunger which will bring conviction upon their life. This causes them, if you're not careful, to be your greatest enemy instead of your greatest friend. And they will be the, they will be the voice of reason. They'll give you a hundred different reasons because they know you, they've been with you, they're your friend, they know you intimately. They'll give you a hundred different reasons of why you shouldn't be doing what God is speaking you to do. And matter of fact, some of the people that helped you to get where you're at right now and you feel like you owe them may not be able to be the people to help take you to where you need to go. Can I have an amen? Some people only grow so far and they stop. 
And then when they stop, they want everybody else to stay on that same plateau with them. Don't allow that to happen to you. Not only is there the outward voices, but there's also the demonic voices of skepticism. How many believes in demonic voices? About a fourth of you. How many believe in demonic voices? Amen. This is the voice of the evil one who seeks to derail you from you reaching your potential and showing your trust within the Lord Jesus Christ and his leadership. The enemy knows that as long as you roam in the wilderness, he may not have you, you're saved, but he can control you and keep you from being a threat to his kingdom. There, but you know how he does it? Because he sees that you're a reactor. You're a reactor to circumstances. And so therefore he continually buffets, he continually hinders, he continually distracts. Why? By just throwing a circumstance out in front of you. And if you allow that circumstance to dictate to you your thinking pattern and rob you of going over, he'll constantly bombard you with circumstances just to keep you from being able to be a conqueror in Jesus Christ. For example, if you're gonna let friendships or people visiting you on a Sunday morning rob you of church, you're gonna find that there's gonna be visitors about every Sunday or every other Sunday. If you allow certain things to distract you, he'll constantly do it. He'll send out, he'll send out the voices. He'll send out the, 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 uh, uh, the circumstances. He'll create a, a hindrance for you to be able to obey God. He will also use you, if you're not careful, to distract those who do have a conquering spirit by them always having to minister deliverance to you. A lot of times they say that the body of Christ, 80 or 90% of all of their ministry is chasing their own and having very little to do with evangelism outside of their own group. That is a disgrace. It's a disgrace when we come in. Yes, we are to care for one another. We're to bear one another's burdens. We're to love one another. But it cannot supersede our evangelism and our heart to win the lost. I want to tell you, we cannot allow the distractions of a body stop us from going over and pulling people out of the, out of the gates of hell. We've got to win the lost. How many believes that? Amen. Do you realize Caleb and Joshua were hindered for 40 years of receiving their promise by the other 10 spies' report? had to believe that Caleb and Joshua were robbed of their conquest for 40 years as the result of 10 spies' report, evil report. And for 40 years, they had to roam within the wilderness with those people until they died out. At 86 years old, Caleb being the oldest, they asked him about his mountain. And when all of that generation he's died, they said, Caleb, how about this mountain? He was still ready. He said, give me my mountain. He still believed in the conquest after Roman for 40 years. How many of you are gonna not allow the influences to stop you and rob you? How many can rise up and say, let's take our mountain tonight in Jesus' name? The demonics are good about accusing, ridiculing, lying, deceiving, making all kinds of false statements. The Bible itself says the devil is accuser of the brother. He's the liar from the beginning. He's the author of lies. He's the father of lies, it says. The, demon, the demonics will scream at you. They'll keep you from going over because they know when you do go over, you're gonna be their worst nightmare. Amen? 
What the devil is afraid of is you becoming a, a, a conqueror because when you do, you're no longer going to be the one running from him. You're going to be chasing him down and strip him of his goods. You're going to find the strong man that's been giving everybody a, hard, a hardship. It's time that the church take control and it's time that we stand up in the God-given authority and dominion that we have and let's become devil chasers, casting out demons and let us lay hands on the ship. Let us see the conquest that God has anointed us to do in Jesus' name. Not only is there the outward voices, the demonic voices, but one of the most powerful is the inner voice of skepticism. This is where you doubt yourself and your own ability. How many knows you can be your worst nightmare? The greatest enemy we have is ourself because we know ourselves better than anybody else. We know our strengths. We know our weaknesses. We know where we're more susceptible to failure. We know our, our moods. We know what turns us on. We know what turns us off. And a lot of times we'll allow the voice of reasoning inside of who we are dictate to us. We can't do it because look at you. You're a mess. Well, I got news for you. You're all a mess. I'm going to tell you, God specializes in using cracked pots for his glory. God uses damaged goods for his glory. God uses the weak, barely things of the earth in order to confound the wise so he might get the most glory. If you are a crackpot, then I want you to know you're a candidate to be a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, I just, boy, I'd like to preach right there for a moment. But a lot of times we have this voice inside of our own minds that raises every kind of argument of why we can't do what we do. And let me tell you this, whatever you believe about yourself is who you're going to always become and what you're always going to be. Come on now. Usually when, you know, me and my wife was talking about it not too long ago, and I got a lot of friends in the, in the faith, colleagues of the faith, and they're brilliant men, great men, educated men, doctorate degrees, and, and, and they're articulate, they're groomed, they're polished, and yet they don't pastor as big a churches as I do sometimes. And Jenny would said, who in the world would ever thought an old country boy with no, but just a 12th grade education would just take off in his early 20s, go to a church that had nothing, and then God bring it to what it is, and then it dawned on us in all of our weakness, in all of our mess, in all of our greenness, and our lack of growth, and our immaturity, and all of that stuff, God showed what he can do if he just has a vessel that'll cross over. It's not about you matching up before you cross over. It's about you just having the, the faith to just cross over and let God take your strength and he'll become strong in you. It's not about your ability. It's not about you being able to handle it. It never will be and it never can be. It's all about you. I got enough sense to know I can't do it, but that's what faith is all about. I can't do it, but bless God, I'll cross over and I'll see what God can do on my behalf. Can I, oh, I'm about to preach here tonight, amen? You know, usually we view all of our human weaknesses and the things that we're vulnerable to and then we draw conclusions, I'm not able to do this, I can't do this. This is when every mistake is brought back to your attention, every failure, every weakness, every label that's ever been tagged upon you by somebody else. When you try to be successful, all that stuff just pops up. It's odd that when you really try to obey God, you'll be reminded of a failure that you done 40 years ago. Come on. 
You'll you'll be reminded of the slip of the tongue. You'll be reminded of the anger. You'll be reminded of the lust. You'll be reminded of, of, of the failure. You'll be reminded of the divorce. You'll be reminded of, of, the, of the drinking. You'll be reminded of all those things you used to do. You'll then, all of the labels that's been put on you over the years. You're dumb. You're stupid. You're ignorant. You're not good enough. You're not qualified. You don't have the education. You don't have the demeanor. You don't have this. You're, you, you know, on and on, you don't have the stage presence. They, I, I got tickled one time when uh, they were interviewing Dolly Parton, and she one time was, uh, when she was a young girl, they, uh, she went to her, uh, her pastor and said, you know, I won, I won the singing thing down here at the local church, and they wanted me to go to the next stage, and it was like our denomination where you went to the denominational headquarters and you performed, it was on a state level, and they said, Dolly, you can't sing? Dolly, you don't have what it takes. Something wrong with that ordeal. Look where she's at today. Some of your greatest marks against you can be your greatest testimonies if you allow yourself not to believe the lies that's been spoken over you. Come on, somebody. Somebody's here that's had a lot of lies spoken over them. You're no good. You got rid of your children not understanding why the circumstances. And they'll ridicule you and beat you up and spit you out and give you a thousand reasons. And you'll sit there and buy into those voices and you'll never become the victor that God wants you to be because you're dwelling in the voices of the past and not understanding that God has spoken over you. God says, go, I'll be with you. Fear not, I'll never leave you. I'll never, I'll be the one that will make you successful. How many believe that tonight? Sometimes, not only are we our worst enemy, we can be our worst critic, amen? Before we can overcome and take on the spirit of conquest, we have to believe that we can. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is and what he has said. We have to determine and settle this in our hearts. Before we go pursue a spirit of conquest, that it's God's will, God wants us, God's chosen us, God's ordained us, God has called us, and he has called us to be people of victory and conquest. I said God called you. I said God chose you. I said that God is the one that ordained you. God's the one that anointed you. And if God is for you, who in the world could be against you? Come on now. It's not in our ability. It never has been. Matter of fact, when the enemy comes up and starts giving you railing accusations, you know what you're supposed to do? Agree with your adversary. Boy, are you right. I am weak, but in my weakness, he's made strong. Come on, somebody. You are right, I'm frail, but in my frailty, he always shines through because he's the one that's got faith in me, amen? You and I gotta understand this thing is a work of God and if it ain't a work of God, we're failing in our attempt anyway because no flesh is gonna glory in his presence and everything that's done in us, through us, is not by us, it's by him and him alone. He's the one that gets the glory and God has settled it. I have chosen you, I've ordained you, I want you, I desire you, I want you to be on my team. You're not junk, you're not a castaway, you're not dispelled, you're not out here outcasted, you are not disqualified, 
up, I have chosen you. And who I chose, I've equipped. Amen. It's not in our ability, but it's in his divine will that he has preordered for every one of us to go over which determines our future success and our ability. Whether we go or not is going to determine of how much success we have. We want success, but we got to go. Look at what verse 8 says. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shall thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Hallelujah. The words of the law is not what gives us the victory altogether because we know that represents Moses and it's Joshua that gives us victory who Joshua is grace but the law and truth, truth and grace come together and if it wasn't for the law I wouldn't even know I needed to be able to be saved so the law has got a hand to play in all this but you have to know the word you have to know the instruction of the word then you have to believe the word of God and what he's spoken of you appropriate that word, act upon that word regardless of how you feel stop this deliverance mentality because I want to tell you when God begins to deal with you to go over you will not have that oh it's all goosebumps it's all excitement it's all that uh -uh. when God called Moses at the burning bush fear gripped that man I can't do it I can't do it then he even talked God allowing him to let Aaron go and be his mouthpiece because he's a man that stuttered. I, 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 got, a, I got a stuttering problem. And you can't, God didn't even want Aaron to be his mouthpiece. Did you know that? God can take care of the stuttering. God can anoint stuttering. Come on, somebody. Get in here. God can take your weakness and use it for his glory. Amen. So don't be intimidated by all of the weaknesses that the enemy shows you that you possess. Just be amazed at the grace of God and the goodness of God and the power of his might. Amen. Joshua no doubt heard all these voices as God began to try to steer him to lead Israel to cross over to the Jordan. And the crossing held all the promises of God's future glory for his people on the earth. In other words, cross over and be blessed or stay on this side and be cursed. Live in Canaan or live in the wilderness. Live in stress or live in success. Which one do you want? That's what God began to tell them. You have a choice to make. Be a victim your whole lives or be a victor. We can keep roaming in the wilderness and die coming short of our promise or we can go over and possess our land. There's one thing that we can be assured of and that is this. God has called all of us to go over. Everybody says, well, that works for you, but it don't work for me. Yes, it does. It works for all of us. There's not one of you that God wants to leave behind. It's not the will of God for any generation to die in the wilderness. It's not God's will for any generation to have an evil report. Oh, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. There's giants in the land. We can't do it. And yet they brought back the fruit and the evidences of everything God said about the land was just the way that God said it. And that generation had the same promise that died in unbelief as those that went out and possessed it. There's one thing that we can be assured of, and that is that God has called all of us. God desires that not one of his people be left behind yet as the people of God set out to obey him. The voices of skepticism will constantly rebuff and scream at God's people saying, you can't, you can't, you can't. Among, among us all, every one of us that has ever crossed over 
They're going to be able to tell you that when you are poised to cross over to the Jordan, there will never be a time when you're not more subject to fear, anxiety, doubt, and uncertainty. And when that plagues you, know something. You're right there at the brink of a miracle. We look at it, oh, I'm feeling. Why am I having these fears? Because you're human. But that is at the moment that you're being challenged to do something that is beyond your natural thinking that you could think you can do on your own. And that's where you're going to have to learn to trust God. Have you ever been prompted by God to do something and all of a sudden, wham, everything in the world goes crazy in your mind? Come on now. You sit there and many, not only is your failures running through your face, is this God? Is this not God? Is this just me? And the devil come by, oh, you're wanting to be a showboater. Oh, you're wanting the limelight. Analyze it. A lot of things that God tells you to do ain't got anything to do with the limelight. It's just simple obedience to go do something. You don't know what the outcome's going to be. You don't know. You go, I went and obeyed God and nothing happened. And maybe whatever God wanted to do, it happened that night, but it wasn't manifested until a year down the line. It ain't about you getting any kind of glory out of anything. It's about God getting glory about what he wants to use you to do for the sake of somebody else. Can I have an amen? So we got to obey the presence of God. Because you're on the brink of possessing something great, the enemy is going to rise up with everything that he's got to try to fight you. The enemy isn't going to sit back and let you take the land so easily. The enemy will put up resistance. He'll try to hinder the plan of God for your life. There are seven things that a skeptical voice whispers to all those who dare will cross Jordan. I'm going to deal with just one of them tonight. That's all I feel led to do. The transition to leave the deliverance mentality is not an easy thing. It's hard. It's almost like someone says it's hard to come off of a drug because when drug users, they tell me get on drugs, they get numb to pain. And then when they start pulling off the drugs, just the normalcy of just regular everyday pain in a body. I've got pain in my body all the time somewhere. I'm, I'm old enough to have that. Knee joint, ankle joint, hip joint, Back joint, come on, shoulder joint, according to how much I sleep on this side. Flip-flopping like a fish all night long because of pain, 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 pain. If I get on drugs and that pain goes away, I get to like and I get addicted to the drug. I get addicted to the feel. And then when I start going off of that, when I begin to feel the first least amount of pain, it's no longer normal to have pain. Come on. So what happens? I'm a, it makes me more addicted to the drug that relieves the pain from me. That's what the same thing does with a deliverance mentality. A deliverance mentality is I always want to feel the wonders of my salvation. Your salvation is not always a feeling. Amen? And when you start taking on the nature of conquest, all these other feelings come that is contrary to that life of salvation. There's heaviness. There's weightiness. There's that There's that that spirit upon you that, that makes you grieve. There's that warfare that begins to sit in. There's the challenge. There's fears. There's concerns. There's all kinds of things that begin to happen. Then all of a sudden, you got to begin to understand that that is a sign when that happens, you're at the brink of your Jordan. Step over and believe God and watch him work for you like you've never seen him work. The enemy isn't going to just sit back and let you have it. The first voice is, it's easier where you're at. Life is easier on this side of Jordan. It's comfortable here. 
Nothing's asked of you. You can enjoy the status quo. Be mediocre. Be sit around and enjoy yourself. Meat's coming in in the evening. Bread's falling in the morning. There's no giants in the land. God's the one that's conquered your enemies. Just sit back in the well-watered plains of Jordan and just sit here in your ease and be the church of Jesus Christ. That's the temptation. But the problem of it is that ain't where God's called you to be. When God stirs us toward movement, suddenly then things once that made us comfortable become uncomfortable to us. I want to tell you, and I told you not too long ago, I was in one of the most miserable states of my life. I'm still experiencing some of that, but that's been some of the greatest things that's going on in my life because God has to get you sick and tired of where you're at before he can move you. You got to get sick and tired of where you're at. And the status quo, this feeling of static, decaying, death-like, unfulfilled place, it drives you crazy and all of a sudden God creates a hunger in you through that and you'll not be happy till you become to a place of fulfillment. That's what moves you. That's what spurs you on. It describes someone who's not really doing anything. They're just existing, but all of a sudden they find themselves with no sense of direction or purpose and they become weary. They become wonders. Someone just roaming around aimlessly around, confused and dysfunctional. God spoke to me and he said, there's going to be some restless people in this service tonight. They're weary. They're wondering. This is the whole thing God wanted me to preach. He said, because they've lost sight of conquest and they're sitting on this side of the Jordan and they're in an easy place and God's blessed them and God's touched them and God's saved them and God's brought them out of Egypt. But all of a sudden they're finding themselves in a place where they're no longer fulfilled where they're at. And uneasiness is setting in. And the thing of it is, you'll not stay neutral very long. You're either going to go back to Egypt or you're going to go forward to conquest. There is no middle ground. There is no place of lukewarmness. God told me to ask the people that are weary, why are you weary? Ask yourself that question. If we persist in staying in our comfort place, we risk losing our vision, our passion for the life of God that's found in obedience to his will and we'll return back to the place of bondage. Joshua wasn't immune to these temptations. When God called him to action, here's the first instruction that God gave to him. I'm going to close here in just a moment. Verse 6, be strong and be of good courage. Verse 7, only be strong and be very courageous. Verse 9, have I not commanded thee, be strong and be of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goest. As I was with Moses, I'm going to be with y'all as well. The things I promised Moses is going to come to pass through the leadership of Joshua. Have I not told you that? God spoke to Joshua three different times in four verses. Be strong. Be of good courage. Be not afraid. I'm going to be with you. If God, had to, if God knew that Joshua needed to hear that that many times, how much more does he know that me and you need to hear that? Amen? To do what the Lord has called us to do, we each have to summon his strength to take it on and say, God, i got to have you to help me to do it. I can't do this in myself. It's impossible. I'm not doing this in my own strength, my own wisdom, my own might, my own, in, my own thinking. I've got to trust you. We have to believe him, trust him, start doing what God has said. Faith without works is dead being alone. We could preach an hour on that. We have to stir up courage. How many of you are going to be courage? Stir up courage here tonight. We have to start acting out our faith. We say we believe in something, prove it by acting it out. If you believe it's going to rain, you'll start carrying an umbrella during sunshine. Amen? We have to be willing to forsake things that has given us a false sense of comfort, and we have to start, be willing to exercise 
our faith. That's what God's been speaking to this pastor. Exercise your faith. There are nine gifts of the Spirit that God's placed in my heart to talk to you about just for a moment. We know them. There's three gifts of administration. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits. There's three gifts of communication. Tongues, interpret, tongues and interpretation of tongues, and a prophecy. And then there's three gifts of demonstration. The gift of healing, the gift of faith, and the working of miracles. We've been seeing quite a few of those gifts in operation around here. We've had people healed, several people healed in the last two or three weeks. Andre put on the display of the word of knowledge. He also put on the word of wisdom when he started calling people out about different symptoms. We've begun to see these, these uh, gifts in operation. Now let me ask you a question. How many really want to be used of the gifts of the Spirit? How many want to be used in the gifts of the Spirit? How many desire them? Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all, but, but rather also I, would, I want you all to speak in tongues, but I would rather for you to prophesy. And then he said, seek the earnest of gifts. Seek the best gifts. And as I began to think about these gifts, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want to start using this bodily, mightily in the gifts of the Spirit. Now, how many want to be used of the gifts of the Spirit? Okay. Now, Watch. In order to be used of the gifts of the Spirit, then you're going to have to cross over. Because the problem of it is, here's where we've been. We've always trusted in Moses to do it for us. i got to get away from my notes. I'm just going to preach to you tonight. Moses always done that. Moses the one who had the authority. Moses the one who had the power. Moses the one who had the glory of the Lord. Moses was the only one that went up into the thick darkness upon the mount and he, and he got the Ten Commandments when all of the tribes of Israel were actually invited to go up there, but they were too afraid to go. They were not willing to step out in the land of infamiliarity and step out in the gross darkness and where there was thunder and vapor and smoke and the mountains shaking. They were afraid, but Moses went up into the thick darkness alone. That's one of the most saddest scriptures in all the word of God. He had no one backing him up as a leader, and he's the only one who got to see the backside of God and come down with his face shining from the glory of God. But God's saying... I'm giving the palace of praise the chance to start operating the gifts of the Spirit and go up and meet with God in that thick darkness. How many of you are ready to go? How many's ready to step out when God moves upon you and start giving out a gift that you've never given before? Come on. Woo. How many believe that God can heal? You believe it? How many are you going to prove it by start laying hands on the sick and praying for their recovery? I've told the stories about the miracles as my young adulthood in my local church when them old ladies would call me. Man, I, I don't know why it was, but me and the senior citizens, the senior ladies, we had us some of the best times in the world. I had an old 65 Ford car that I had bought and um, it was wore out and the headlight, taillights were broke out and you couldn't tell if I was coming or going in the middle of the night. And it squatted like this and this light shot way up in the sky. 
And the only way you could see the road is just keep it on bright all the time. And they'd flop down a little bit where you could see the road. And we'd go to revivals. And I'd go pick up Sister Meadows. I'd go pick up Pat Clayton. And I'd go pick up, and I'd go pick up Sister Townsend. And I'd go pick up, and I'd start picking up all these old ladies. And we'd go to revival, and we'd get to talking about the Lord in that old car and the glory of the Lord come down. But when they had a sickness or when they had a problem, they called me. I'm just 19, 18, 19, 20 years old. Brother Miller, could you come over here and pray for me? Well, it's a lot easier to pray for them in their house when no one's around and learn how to exercise the gift than it is in front of a bunch of people. Come on. So what did I do? I stepped out and started going. And there'd only be maybe one or two of us. I could get bold because there wasn't no one around. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And you know what? God would heal them. God would touch them. But I would not have that same audacity or that same faith by getting out in front of a pastor and a congregation full of people. So what was it that caused me to be able to learn how to operate in the gifts? I started exercising them in a missional effort to help other people outside of the local congregation. It developed me, which I would have never been developing that in front of a big crowd because of my intimidation. But when it was just me and Sister Townsend or me and Sister Vera or me and Sister Pat Clayton or me and Sister whoever, I can name all of them. If it was just us, there was a a boldness and they trusted me and they had faith in me and we connected together and miracles were wrought in my earlier years as a result of me learning how to exercise the gift in a missional effort outside of the local church. The gifts are not only to be used in the church, the gifts are to be used in the small groups of where you're at. And then when we came to Popper Bluff, small church, the intimidation faded away because I learned it in small settings. We'd have prayer meetings on Tuesday mornings in an old house. Started out with just two men, went up three men, five men, seven men, 10 men, 12 men. But in those earlier stages, tongues, interpretation, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and everything was given to us in that small setting. And gifts begin to begin to exercise. Did we miss it from time to time? Oh, yeah. But it would spur one another on. Two Baptist men, two Baptist preachers heard about the prayer meeting. They come up to me and they were friends of mine at Gates. I said, man, we've been hearing about your prayer meetings. Old brother Rick Campbell is telling us about, man, he's saying things are happening. I said, yeah, won't you come and see? Won't you become a part of them? Both of them got filled with the Holy Ghost. Both of them become Pentecostal preachers. And they begin to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. It was a training session. Your life groups are to be training sessions for the working of and exercising of the gifts of the Spirit. Your prayer meetings are to be a time of the exercising of the gifts of the Spirit and learning how to operate. Our Tuesday, our Monday night Prayer groups, we have tongues interpretation. We have words of knowledge. We have things happening. God's showing us things that we can't even reveal to the churches of you. Our ladies upstairs, God speaks in tongues interpretation and they have exciting things going on in the prayer group as a result of the gifts of the Spirit. So I'm gonna challenge you today. If you want a spirit of conquest, stand to your feet. Now, if you want to be used in the gifts and become a giant for the Lord...
I, I don't want you to listen to all the voices. I can't, I'm ignorant, I'm dumb, I'll never do it. I've been seeking, nothing's ever happened. I'll never be good enough. I've tried that, it don't work. Come on, all that kind of nonsense. But if you want to be used in the gifts of the Spirit, I want you to just march up here. I got a plan, I got an idea. Everybody's desire is a little bit different, I know. Everybody's personality is going to work with one gift better than the other gift. God uses our personalities. Right, Craig? Craig's been being mightily used of the Lord right now in the gifts. Amen. Now, this is what I want you to do. You're wanting to be used in the gifts of the Spirit, right? You're wanting to be get used in the gifts of the Spirit, right? Then you exercise your faith laying hands on her, believing that she's going to receive the things she desires. And you lift your hands, lay your hands on her, and you believe the things that she's desiring, that she's going to receive it. Start exercising your faith. You start exercising your faith. Now I want everybody to find them apart and do that very thing. Get out of your comfort zone. Start beginning to believe. Start praying for that individual. It's you that's going to exercise the gift. There ain't going to be Andre come by and give you a word. You can get groups of two or three. It's all right. In the name of Jesus right now, Father, begin to start using your people. Begin to release the anointing. They're crossing over right now. They're beginning to make the transition. It is a transition, but it is the beginning. They're beginning to say, I want this. I desire this. I'm ready. I'm ready to go over. Come on, get intense with your prayer. Believe right now in the name of Jesus. God, use Roger Henner in the gifts of the Spirit of the living God. Feel and renew and regenerate and re re revive and refresh in Jesus' name. Oh, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Yes, this is music, guys. Start exercising, yes. Start believing, start beseeching. Pray for your brother for the desire that they have. Let the power of the Holy Ghost begin to work. Let this presence of God be real and tangible. Learn how to flow in the Spirit. Be sensitive to the voice of God right now. Be, be, be sensitive to His moving. Somebody just received a word of prophecy for somebody. Speak it in Jesus' name.
Let faith arise In spite of what I see, Lord, I believe But help my unbelief, I choose to trust you No matter what I feel, let faith arise Let faith arise for my champion's not dead, he is alive. And he already knows my every need. Surely he will come and rescue me. God of miracles, come. We need your supernatural.
For my champion's not dead, he is alive. He already knows my every I speak, God, hold us. Surely I speak healing. long enough that he'll get a hold of you. Are you listening to me? If you want to learn how to do it, start laying hands on the kids. Start anointing your kids with oil. Amen. 
If the dog's sick, lay hands on the dog. Shirley Caesar sings a song called Mama. And it's based on a true story of her life. Talked about how her and her sister and her brother Aaron would always play church. Aaron was the preacher and Shirley and her sister was the congregation. They'd go up for prayer and they'd act like they'd fall out and they would act like that God would bless them. And the, the little sister of Shirley thought it was a little bit sacrilegious to kind of put on like that. She went in and tell her mom and her mom would come out and get on to Shirley for being sacrilegious. One day they were out there and they were playing and Aaron began to lay hands on old Shirley and began to pray for her. And all of a sudden as a young child, she began to shout and begin to dance. Tears begin to come down her face. Tongues begin to fly. She's out there doing twirls and everything else. Little old Shirley's mother ran into the house and said, Shirley's at it again, mama. She said, mama looked out of the kitchen window and said, no, Shirley ain't playing this time. God done got a hold of her. And I'm here to tell you that's how you start exercising your faith. Just start, just start operating. They're not going to happen by you sitting out and waiting for it to fall on you. you got to pursue it. you got to go after it. Start exercising your faith. So what? you lay hands on a sick and they're not recovered the first time. Keep laying hands. Keep believing. Keep praying. I want to tell you the gifts will come. They're coming. So Y'all ain't excited like I am. I've heard the voice of God. God has spoken and said, if the people will go over, I'll be with them. Nothing's going to stop them. And the inheritance is theirs. Start operating. Start believing. When you got a friend on the phone that's discouraged and you feel a little edge to prophesy over them, test the water. Start prophesying. In the name of just what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. Speak the word of God to them. They'll love you enough if you miss it, they can overlook it. Come on, somebody. Man, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost up here. Come on, somebody give the Lord praise in this house. I'm not trying to bring anything down. I'm telling you, the presence of God's here. There's a holy pause right now. Woo! Holy Ghost, have your way in this house. There's faith rising. There's people exercising faith. They're daring to believe. They're daring to try. They're daring to get out of their comfort zone. They're daring to be something different. Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Luke, just lay hands on your sister Lily there and pray for her. There's a destiny on that girl, and it's about to come out like a like a fire, like a like a breath of fresh air, like a anointing of the Holy Ghost. God bless right now in Jesus' name. Right now, come on, Lil. Hey, hallelujah in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Pammy, just strip right in behind them there. Lay hands on her, you and Sophie. 
Glory be to God. tell you something. This came to my mind and I've been rational for some time now. That is this. If you think the songs of deliverance was good by the songs of Moses, you haven't seen nothing yet about the songs of victory y'all about to sing at the palace. That's in the land of Canaan. There's going to be This is great. You ain't seen nothing yet, buddy. Y'all are fixing to blow it away. You're fixing to be blown away. The level of anointing that's about to come to this praise group is going to supersede anything you ever even thought or ever even thought was possible. If the songs of deliverance that Moses sang was good, what do you think the songs of victory is going to be in the land of Canaan among the giants? Get ready because you're going to have to prepare. Y'all are about to take this. You're going before us. You're the one going out to battle like a Jehoshaphat. 
Get ready in the name of Jesus. Just worship the Lord as long as you like tonight. But in, in just the way, I guess, of letting him know that you're with him, would you just give him a shout of praise? Yeah. Now, what you've started, keep it up. Keep doing it. Exercising. It grows into something. Is exercise. It's healthy for you. Exercise those spiritual gifts. Tell them you want them and then step out on faith and begin to start practicing your part of it and God will take care of the spiritual part. Can I have an amen? God bless you. We love you. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We're not having service this Wednesday night. Remember that? 
soul to be with your families. God bless you. We are here.